at Harry Styles' disgusting dancing body. He dances? I don't want to see it now. What is Harry Styles? One Direction? Jonas S- Brothers? S Club 7? I don't know what he's from. What if I typed in Harry Styles? Yeah, that'll, yeah. And then what is he? I think it's One Direction. I mean, that sounds right. He was on The X Factor. Is that a reality show? It's uh, Britain's America's Got Talent. (laughs) Oh, I see. Uh, uh, Yeah, One Direction, you nailed it. Got him. Never listened to a song of theirs, but Harry Styles seems fine. Martin Scorsese directed one of their music videos. Martin Shkreli? Martin Scorsese? Shkreli? Scorsese? McCurdy? McCurdy. Jenny McCarthy. Anti-vax. Let's go. <laughs> All right. And and your suggestion is anti-vax. When the lights come up, anti-vax. November of 1893, President Grover Cleveland sent an ambassador to visit the recently overthrown Queen of Hawaii. And the ambassador said, Sorry about the coup our guys did. They really didn't have permission for that. And the president wants to put you back in power. But first, we gotta ask, are you open to giving amnesty to all the guys involved in the coup? And the queen replied, quote, My decision would be, as the law directs, that such persons should be beheaded and their property confiscated. And the ambassador said, you want them to be beheaded? And she said, yes. And the ambassador is so stunned that he asks around like, hey, uh, I think there may be a miscommunication. How good is the queen's English? And everyone says, oh, no, she understands English perfectly. She's going to cut their heads off. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is longtime Hawaii-loving John. And together we're Henry and longtime Hawaii-loving John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist in order to make the world dumb. I like the new intro. I know I kind of call attention to it lately every time, but I'm saying it explicitly now. The world has never been dumber and we're the problem. Listen, the world's never been better and it's never been dumber. There is a... A strong, positive correlation between dumbness and goodness. Yes, the dumber we are, the gooder we fall. Smart is bad. Down with the smarties, up with the nerds. Men and women of science have given us facts, but robbed us of hope. They were so concerned with whether or not they should that they didn't think if they could. I got that. All right. I really wish there was some kind of movie about this. 
Honestly, some sort of lizard film. I wish there was a franchise that it itself is sort of like the lesson. The existence of six of them is sort of the lesson that the movies, the characters in the movies should be learning but never do. Yeah, I, I wish just increasingly over time with each additional sequel, you'd ask just because you could make this <laughs> right, you shouldn't have exactly some sort of movie that's like a like a like a bygone era of greatness, like a a great statue standing in an abyss of sand, an Ozymandias, a fallen kingdom, if you will. Yes, and on the scribe it reads, look upon my works and weep. Uh, and then raptor noise. <laughs> look upon my works, ye mighty. <laughs> raptor noises. Yeah, exactly. Raptor yeah. noises. Henry, it sounds like you cracked open a beverage. Oh boy, did I, John. Yeah, I I have no idea how to respond to that. What is it? <laughs> Thank you for asking, John. I decided to get into the spirit of fall. Uh, that is my wife and I, Jamie. Uh, we're walking through the uh, the liquor store, the beer store, and we noticed in the seasonal section that Abita, the Louisiana brewery of my childhood, uh, released a pecan ale. Ooh, an Abita pecan ale. Yes. Now, for those a- uh, those unfamiliar, pecan ales are kind of the, uh, uh, not du jour, du season, the beer du season of the South. Yes. Other places do pumpkin-flavored things. Uh, the Deep South leans heavily into the pecan. Uh, this is ale brewed with Louisiana pecans and below... Uh, below pecan ale, it says "Go nuts," but of course, "Go" is spelled G E A U X because we are French. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The people of Louisiana actually inherited a different version of English. It's amazing. Uh, I got some copy if you want to read one. Oh, has there ever been a time on this podcast where we're not willing to listen to beer copy? No. Here we go. Pecan ale is made with real Louisiana roast pecans for a subtle nutty flavor and aroma. It's brewed with pale Munich biscuit and caramel malts and Willamette hops. The roasted pecans are added in the brew house. Crack one open and go nuts. Well, they really lean in on the on the go nuts. What are the tasting notes like? I'm, I'm always interested in that for pecan beers. So this is very interesting. I've had really good pecan beers in my time, and I, I have to say, unfortunately, this is not one of them. Oh, that is, that is a shame. I believe the um, the uh, Ur pecan beer is, of course, the pecan porter, yeah, uh, which is a truly delicious beer by anyone's uh, by anyone's metrics. So, so the I think it's the ale is holding it back because it's got that woody taste, but it's it's followed. That's the but your front. Your front taste is that really woody pecan nutty taste, but then there's nothing to back it up. It just it, it slides into that light ale sort of aftertaste that doesn't do the front foretaste any favors. I, I think you're totally right. I think uh, the the deep flavors of a porter really lend themselves well to pecan, and I think pecan generally as a nut doesn't have a lot of flavor. This is coming from right. someone who has eaten a lot of pecans in his life. I love pecan pie. That being said, pecan by itself kind of tastes like wood. 
kind of the least flavorful mass market nut, I would say. Right. Uh, kind of without a doubt. Pecan beers, pretty famously, there was uh, one all over the area that we grew up in that was a, that was a pecan beer that just kind of tasted like a, a beer that had been sitting on a wooden tabletop for a little while. Like it, it had that somewhat woody tinge to it on, right. on the back of what is otherwise a pretty unextraordinary ale. Yeah, I mean, kind of, it's kind of what I, I, I was more excited for trying the new beer than uh, when I first tried it, but now we have it, so I'm drinking it, you know? Yeah, you, you gotta drink it. I personally have actually uh, onboarded a pecan thing into my life in that uh, I was doing a certain accounting of uh, how I live my life and spend my money. And I think I've realized that it's somewhat irresponsible to spend a lot of money on expensive craft coffee every week uh, in the form of two uh, coffee roasteries in the Austin area that I like quite a bit. So I went this week for the uh, Whole Bean H-E-B Cafe Olay, uh, which, uh, you know, is whole bean coffee from a grocery store. Uh, now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I live very far from a grocery store. Not that I live three blocks away from one and I'm lazy, uh, but I always order my groceries via delivery uh, <laughs> because I hate grocery shopping. No, it it is the worst. It always gives me a little bit of a panic attack. I really don't like it. Getting them delivered, I'm I'm fine with the upcharge, even though I just said I was doing an accounting of my spending habits. However, uh, when you order groceries from uh, any establishment, H-E-B included, if they're out of what you wanted, they will substitute it for something of a similar price and similar quality. And rather than the medium roast cafe au lait whole bean that I ordered, I in fact got the uh, dark roast breakfast cafe au lait pecan flavor. Interesting. And uh, I think it's also got vanilla in there, which uh, is is a shame. I'm not a big person for flavored coffees generally. It's got that kind of artificially vanilla extract flavor, but the flavor of pecan in it really elevates it to the level of tasting like you're drinking vanilla coffee, but you're like sucking it through a coaster. <laughs> you're you're getting the drippings of a coffee left over on, on from the rings of somebody else's cup. Yeah, like if you have a coaster made of like packed wood chips and you're sucking the coffee through that, that is definitely the taste you want. Uh, in most coffee, woodiness is considered a pretty significant off flavor and may right. in fact indicate that your coffee beans are moldy <laughs> or have been exposed <laughs> to oxygen for a long time. So to me, as a, unfortunately a coffee snob, uh, it's it's not the best, but it's mm. it's drinkable. I will say the base quality of cafe au lait is pretty good, actually. Okay, well that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean most people usually use like a paper filter instead of straining your coffee through just pieces of wood from the yard. But in your case, <laughs> that's what it seems like it is. Yeah, it's it's an unmistakable uh, experience from uh, sucking coffee off the floor of a Texas roadhouse. Oh, then you would really get that nutty flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of nuts and wood chips down there, so that's really what's going on. 
Uh, in terms of my contemporaneous uh, drinks, I am in fact drinking an early times bottled in bond bourbon uh, because I have a lot of stuff going on in my life and the craft beer scene right now is kind of giving me panic attacks and it's kind of cheaper to drink liquor if you just have like one drink every other day. Uh, so I have I have switched to brown liquor officially. Oh really? Okay, I, I've been do, I've been mainlining. Uh, this is dangerous. Don't do it. I've been mainlining clear liquor right into my bloodstream recently because of the uh, the lack of calories. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good for that. I hear it really <laughs> flushes you out. No, I, I've been I've been sticking the vodka recently because uh, I got to fit into a suit in a couple of a couple of weeks. <laughs> Interesting uh, scenario. I'm in the same boat, and it's not necessarily that uh, I need to fit into a suit. I just need to make sure that I stay able to fit into said suit. Yeah. Okay. I, w- I will clarify. I do fit into the suit. However, it would be a nicer fit if I was just like say five pounds lighter. Yeah, listen, we've we've got time to work on this. I've been walking every day. Delhi's in Delhi. For those of you who don't remember, it's been a week. I've been, I was on vacation. I don't know what people know. Delhi's my dog. Uh, she's been loving it because I, I walk her every day. I mean, dogs are big fans of when their humans get more exercise. Uh, except true. my dog, Leo, when I used to work out in the garage during COVID times, uh, he was a puppy. And whenever I would uh, bench press, he would bark at the bar because I think he thought it was attacking me. (laughs) And he would run up and he would try to push it off of my body, which means it would fall out of my hands and onto my neck. Oh, no. In helping, he hurts. Yeah, he he just wants to save me. But in fact, fact, he's hurting me. And you know, the behavior has not changed since I've started taking him to my commercial gym. That is adorable. Deli heard me walk, talking about her, so now she's walking toward me. <laughs> oh, no. Amazing. Yes. But, hey, John, fall is here. Fall is finally here. I don't know if you've been doing this, but I've been going for little 9 p.m. walks because it's like 65 degrees out then. I mean, I go at about like sunset time, so around like 6 or 6.30 because uh, I don't want to get kidnapped. Uh, but yeah, I've been going on some evening walks and it's been really nice out today was, was the first morning I, I stepped out of my house and I was like, Ooh, where'd all the heat go? Yeah. Same here. I, I usually wake up around six or seven and, uh, to take out Leo and I took him outside. I was like, Oh, this is a little nippy. Yeah. A little Not, nice. It's still like shorts weather, but compared to. The completely fucking relentless second hottest summer ever for Austin. Uh, this is a welcome change. Absolutely, yes. I wholeheartedly like this direction the weather is taking, and I fully endorse and support it. Uh, so I hope it rewards us with more of it and doesn't lull us into a false sense of security before burning our houses down. My only real concern is that as someone with a very important event coming up at the end of October, I hope it doesn't get too cold too fast. Uh, But, you know, we'll see. People will bring coats. I mean, the best thing about that event is uh, I'm pretty sure the suit I have is made of wool, so I will be warm. We We have like an escape plan if it gets too cold. We have like a whole inside thing. It'll be fine. A couple inside jokes you're gonna you're gonna make during the wedding that we won't we won't get. 
Yeah, they'll warm people up because their their brains will start turning. Like, what did he mean by Bubba Hotel? <laughs> what did he mean? Why do you keep bringing up Bubba Hotel? <laughs> yeah, and then their brains will get hot, and then the uh, the liquor we serve them will help them mm. warm up as well, and then there'll be little furnaces. Your, yeah, your plan is like, all right, before the before the ceremony, if everyone will join us in taking a shot. <laughs> That is the plan. Before the ceremony, after, pre-processional. Wait, no. Everyone on this, everyone listening to this knows I'm getting married. <laughs> I should hope. Uh, I mean, that is what we're alluding to. Yeah, we've been dropping hints this entire time. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting married, not by choice, but you know, it is what it is. I'm trying to, you know, let, let life just flow over me. And uh, it'll be interesting no matter what. No, I'm very excited to get married, and everyone will be there. Yes, you're all invited. Only don't show up, because the catering's been paid for. Here's a a real problem that I'm running into, is uh, we have a seating chart. You heard of this? You heard of this? When you have... Oh, no, you're doing the seating chart? When people sit down, you have, like, a chart right yeah yeah it's hard it's hard it's, it's hard but then if you like start hanging out with some friends and you realize you like really like them and have a lot in common you're like oh my god i should invite these guys oh no the seating chart yeah so we're mm. locked in we can't invite any of our cool friends oh all right i i will i will leave the uh no 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 you're you're still good to go okay i'm so i'm an uncool friend Listen, I didn't want to say it in so many words, but you you could infer based on certain context clues in the conversation where you fit in that paradigm. We can move on. As friends or from this topic? Yeah, first one, then the other. Okay, that's fair. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, fall is here, and with it, uh, the doldrums of the slow times are over, John. The news keeps pouring in every god dang second. Now that people have stopped patting their brows with their big white handkerchiefs, they've they've gotten out into the streets to start causing trouble. I say, not not knowing where this is about to throw to, and hoping that this is universal enough to land. Oh man, they're causing so much trouble that I'm just going to read a couple of headlines uh, in a row, and if one sounds like something you want to talk about, we can talk about it. How's that? Okay. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. Uh, here we go. Cam site offers Hans Neiman one million dollars to play chess nude to prove he didn't cheat. Oh my god, I love this story. I've been following this story so closely. I really want to talk about this story. I love this story. Please, the I never thought I would be so invested in the world of professional online live stream chess slash shoe computer anal beans. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, a, a scandal has rocked the professional chess. Uh, is it a world or a realm? <laughs> oh, if it's chess, it's a realm. The realm was shaken when uh, the, the the number one player in the world, Magnus Car- Carlson. Sorry, apologies to Magnus. Um, he what what started this whole thing was after one move in the final round of a tournament. He withdrew and forfeited. Yes. And he basically went to Twitter following that saying, if like, 
if I talked, it would like ruin people's lives or something like that. Like, so I, I think the I think the order might be I think the order might be slightly different than that. I believe he oh, lost in a match to Hans Neiman Nyman. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Me either. Uh, I believe he lost in a match and then took to Twitter a kind of vague booking, vague tweeting that like, oh, if I say anything, uh, it'll be held against me or whatever. And then the additional events unfolded. I, I think he did lose in that first match. Okay. If I'm not mistaken. So he, he lost a game to Neiman and then went to Twitter and vague booked. And then in the in the next match after the first move, he forfeited. Yes. All right. And a lot of people read into it that he would only forfeit if he suspected cheating, but he's such a professional that he didn't want to call out Neiman's cheating. He was just going to let the world do it. And the realm stepped in and did it for him. Yeah, I I would say that's that's broadly accurate. I I don't know that I would uh, necessarily characterize him in that way because he uh, really pretty obviously uh, he vaguely but obviously called out Neiman for cheating after their after right. their first match. So he kind of lit that fire, and, and so began began the speculation of how does one cheat in a, and because this unlike a lot of the games they do, this one was in person. Yes, the the first match in which Neiman won was in person. The follow-up match that Carlson resigned from after his initial move and Neiman's answer was virtual and live-streamed through, I believe, chess24.com or something. Right. Interesting. Uh, so, so the first game in which Neiman in which Magnus suspected Neiman of cheating was in person. So how do you cheat in an in-person game? You you can't get like a computer to tell you the best moves because you don't have access to a computer. This is where the speculation began. And, and I think it's worth noting that uh, after uh, Carlson kind of uh, vaguely in a roundabout way accuses Neiman, Nyman, whatever, of cheating... Uh, Neiman is a relatively easy target because in interviews, Neiman states that he did in the past as a teenager use cheating devices on chess.com to remain competitive and keep his rank. Uh, so there is a, like a sliver of truth there. And that makes Neiman like an easy target for people to accuse of additional cheating. Right. So known cheater Neiman, how does he cheat in the present outside of chess.com? Mm-hmm. This is where the speculation begins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the speculation that is all based in reality and not at all a completely ridiculous fiction. Yeah, exactly. Like, so if he was going to cheat, how is he going to do it? A lot of people were like, okay, like he could tap his feet if he had like transceivers or something and the soles of his shoes. The shoe computer theory, of course. Yeah, the shoe pewter. Uh, then you also have like really tiny kind of like Bluetooth devices, like he could have in his ear or something like that. Um, but it, the one that took the audience's imagination, captured it, if you will. Right, rightly so. Was uh, the theory that electronic anal beads mm -hmm. connected to an AI that would vibrate to tell Neiman what moves to play 
uh, was just one of the many popular theories circulating around his victory. Uh, yes, that is uh, I, the one that uh, has rightly captivated people. Uh, I have a couple notes about that one. Okay, tell me. Uh, first of all, it's good to see, <laughs> I believe it's called teledildonics in the, uh, in the public consciousness once again. A word that I learned from a wizard on an iPad at a very <laughs> strange event in Austin when I first moved here. Uh... I can't get into that story. There's Ewer's nothing. Birthday? Un- there's nothing. No, there's nothing unseemly <laughs> about it. I went to this. I was going to go hang out with a couple friends at the Butterfly Bar, which is a performance art forward bar, outdoor bar area, and they were apparently having like some kind of uh, teledildonics expo, which is just like dildos and other vibrating stuff that's attached to the internet or whatever and a Segway with an iPad rolled up to me and it was attached to a video call with a person dressed like a wizard and then he started trying to tell me about this uh one of the strangest experiences I've ever had welcome uh, to that, Austin but that is uh, that is where I lo- I learned the word teledildonics, uh, right. which which really sounds like a telecommunications company from the eighties. Yes. yes, it uh, really does. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so I that's my first note. My second note is um, rightly this is a captivating theory, um, but I, I suppose the concern that I would have is number one. How is the AI processing this fast enough and also seeing the chessboard? Like he doesn't, he's not wearing glasses, I don't think. So he's not like capturing it. Is it watching the live stream and would somehow its computer vision algorithm know the angle that they're going to shoot it from and the, the lighting right. conditions appropriately? Right. Uh, maybe my biggest concern is uh, I'm not a genius when it comes to things like Morse code but I cannot really think of a way to succinctly via the vibrations of supposed anal beads, communicate the complexity of a single chess move. Oh, no, it's, it's, I feel like it's easy. Oh, I feel like, uh, you you just have to use the, um, the coordinates of the board, uh, just like a sequence of two signals the first signal being a starting position, and then the second signal being an end position. Uh, so, like, you just, whatever piece is in that starting position, you move to the second signal. Okay, so if it's, like, the knight or whatever, it would be, like, vert, 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 vert. I feel like it, so I, I feel like more specifically, it would be whatever piece is in G4, move to the space h4 and whatever like whatever piece it is like you know a human brain is interpreting okay i know what piece is in h4 when i look at it i'm going to move that to what you know h4 okay i i think that makes sense uh i think it would take a while but yeah i I mean how how much time you got on that clock that play (laughs) clock Uh, yeah (laughs) what it is entirely possible, though, because since uh, since our voices are just vibrations in the air, it is possible oh with night to 
queen's bishop. Right, right. <laughs> it, it vibrates the length of time it takes him to say each word. So it's like <laughs> pawn, knight, yeah, bishop, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it vibrates I, I, that I, I'm, much. I'm sorry, do you have a cell phone in your butt that's, saying, <laughs> that's talking right now? Yeah, does anyone... All phones off, please! <laughs> does anyone hear that? <laughs> uh, it's, like those, uh, it's like those Navy SEAL throat microphones. They never have to speak because it can detect the vibrations in your throat. Right. Uh, so needless to say, this was not a confirmed theory. This was just speculation. What? <laughs> On the audience's part, uh, but to have a little fun with it, a, a cam site by the name of, um, I, I don't think it really matters. Let's not give them promotion. Um, but they sent him a letter. Congratulations on your victory against number one, Magnus Carlsen. It's a shame you're being ridiculed by the chess community for potentially cheating. Claims that you used wireless vibrating anal beads to gain an upper hand are ridiculous. Uh and then it went on, the letter went on to uh, to offer him one million dollars to play a game of chess live on their website to prove he didn't cheat. Okay, I uh, so I think that's cool of them. I, I think the real question comes comes into to us, John. Would you? Play a naked game of chess on a website for <laughs> Hold on, $1 I didn't, million. I didn't know. Wait, does he, does he have to be naked? Is that stipulated in yes. the... Yes, yeah. Oh, that's... Uh, I don't like that. Yeah, the, the letter I thought reads, this would be like an OnlyFans situation where they're like, hey, oh, nude, so people can see that he doesn't have yep. some sort of cheating device. I see, I see. I thought you meant naked for the purposes of titillation. No. Prove the haters wrong once and for all. Strip naked and play a game of chess live on blank in order to <laughs> to return in return for up to one million dollars. That's, yes, I, I think that that is a cool offer. There is no way, were I in Neiman's position, that I would ever take that. Right, exactly. You, like, I you, feel remember, like, you remember yeah. when Malcolm Gladwell challenged LeBron James to run like a half marathon against him? Isn't that, isn't Malcolm Gladwell like a philosopher? Eh, he's he's a writer and also kind of a corporate shill. Uh, okay, but he is also like a big time endurance runner, uh, and he had this theory that your typical NBA player, especially LeBron James, has like incredible long term endurance and would probably be an incredible runner. Uh, so challenged him to a race, uh, and I call this the the Gladwell James uh paradigm which is if you're lebron james or neiman in this case you cannot take that under any circumstances because even if you know you didn't cheat or you know that you could beat a damn near 70 year old man in a race because you're lebron james the you winning confirms nothing exactly. you losing confirms everything yeah you have nothing to gain by winning other than putting one naysayer in their place. But as soon as you do that, other naysayers will challenge you. And then your life is an, an endless, it becomes the wild West. Everyone thinks they're a faster gun and that's just exhausting. 
Yeah, I mean, you could win a million dollars in this case, which is not the case for LeBron James, but like... I mean, who's it a match against is maybe the the bigger question. Right. I, I, I don't see any detailing about a potential opponent. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're the guy does... who goes on some reputable, disreputable, whatever cam site, and you play a chess game naked and you lose, not only do you lose the chance at a million dollars, uh, you also like lose everything in the most humiliating way possible. Yeah, I, th- there's a lot. There's too much to lose. I think. I think I would also, in Neiman's shoes, pass because also like if I had won legitimately, Please, his, his shoe computers, his shoe computers. Uh, if 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 I had won legitimately, this would just add some like this would be succumbing to dumb speculation that has no. Yeah, no you're totally right. Because if you're, let's say you're like a boxer or whatever, and you're the greatest boxer and someone says like, ah, you know, this this person like skins his gloves or whatever. And then they're like, ah, well, if you box naked with no gloves, like all all you're doing, if by justifying one's actions, you convince no one. And that's true in like every modality in life is is justifying your actions never convinces anyone of anything just doesn't especially in the public sphere yeah so like neiman obviously shouldn't but it does make for a good fun headline and a a good four-way four four-way a good four-way listen we'll give you a million dollars if you have a four-way on fancy cams dot dad or whatever <laughs> uh, where all the dads are and yeah. go <laughs> all the dads are there and they're going there and they're going there they're there and they're on their way <laughs> yeah they're, it's it's a duality of dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is the dadality the dadality that was my uh, favorite finishing move in Mortal Kombat 11. Dadality. Dadality. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, dumb. fun, fun. You know, who, who, who would have thought in 2022 there would be a chess scandal? Yes, it's, uh, honestly, it's a, um, a welcome salve to some of the less pleasant things in the news. I welcome a good sitting down sports scandal now i just gotta say like as a quick aside how the fuck do people think he's cheating and in these things because it could be like a machine learning algorithm that like whatever one would have to assume that they have like top-down views or could somehow succinctly communicate the opponent's moves and that's fair one of the uh some people are like oh he's got an earpiece and someone in the crowd like well that person in the crowd would have to be one of the foremost chess champions in the world (laughs) Uh, one of the leading indicators that people think that that leads people to think he might be cheating is that in an interview directly after the chess game in which he perfectly countered Magnus's strategy, he suddenly couldn't really talk about any of the moves that he did. Mm. Uh, it seemed as though later he did then claimed he had practiced against that exact opening just that morning. Uh, but and it's it's in the interviews directly after the victory. He w- he could not find a succinct way to explain his strategy or what he did. 
It is worth noting, I think, in the match that Carlson forfeit after his opening move, from my understanding, uh, his move was strategically chosen to be a very unorthodox move with a very specific counter. Uh, And then I, I think it confirmed, allegedly to him, confirmed whatever his suspicions were when he did that very obscure, not particularly like optimal move and then was met with its perfect counter right uh which i don't know i'm not good enough at chess to be like oh if you move this pawn that's the weirdest opening yeah no Uh, apparently that's what happened yeah magnus opened with oppenheimer's uh bung hole and (laughs) yes of course everyone knows it the sequel to the queen's gambit Yep, and and of course, you know, Neyman, Neyman countered with, you know, the butt plug of truth. These are just <laughs> these are the just these are just chess openings and answers. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Like if you study the Karma Sutra of chess openings, yeah, then you got to expect your opponents to know the uh, joys of sex. <laughs> answers yeah listen it's it's just chess in in both the way you play the game and your magic machine learning anal beads chess is a game of openings yes yeah it's it's a real head game (laughs) it 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 is a real head game and also butt butt game head and butt (laughs) chess Uh. the butt game uh, I don't know if I have much more to say. I don't think there's been any developments on that whole scandal. I don't know where it's going to land, but hopefully somewhere sanitary. A, a lot of people also are saying that it's unfair that uh, Neiman was banned from chess.com following the allegations. Uh, do keep in mind that following the allegations, he did admit to cheating on the platform chess.com. So like fair play for, for chess.com. Yeah. Like he hasn't been found to be cheating in this current circumstance, but he did admit to cheating on the platform in the past. Right. You can't, you can't violate the T the TOS to toss. No, he was <clears throat> using aimbots. <laughs> he, uh, yep. you know, Wall uh, someone someone had an opening, and then he whipped out a desert eagle and headshotted <laughs> them through a wall. Yeah, that smoke he threw was suspicious. <laughs> oh my god! An incredible answer from Neiman. He stood up in his chair, spinned three hundred and sixty degrees in a quarter of a second, and shot his opponent in the head with a desert eagle. Incredible answer. Incredible, incredible answer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, a clear victory. (laughs) (laughs) Now he's cycling between the Desert Eagle and the AWP over and over again, hundreds of times a second, while teabagging his opponent's corpse. (laughs) Yep. Incredible. Yeah, if you do that... People might get a little (laughs) little suspicious. (laughs) They they might get rightly suspicious. Um... Our next headline shifts gears completely, John. Oh, is it yeah. as fun and exciting as that one was? Um, it leaves a lot to talk about. Mm. I'll just read it. Uh, James Earl Jones signs over rights to the voice of Darth Vader to be replaced <sighs> by AI. Stop it. Stop it. He's 91 years old. 
Okay. He's played Darth Vader for 45 years. I, I hate that my mind immediately went here, but uh, we seriously need like antitrust laws for entertainment companies. Break break these places up. Uh, but also, just find a new fucking guy to voice Darth Vader. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, so Disney, the company, uh, is the sole reason why copyright is such a tricky thing here in America. Because they're, they're, for a long time... Copyright has been extended under the guise of we must protect the mouse, Mickey Mouse, the American cartoon. Yeah. Like no one wants that copyright to lapse. And then people make cartoons about Mickey Mouse with vibrating chess anal beads. No one wants that to happen. Apparently that's a no, no, according to daddy Disney. And so what we're finding here is another instance of something going further than anyone ever thought it could or should. Uh, The Darth Vader being a character for 45 years is kind of insane. I think Uh, if you told George Lucas that, he wouldn't want to live in that future. Yeah, he would. Well, he would be like, well, are they still buying the toys? He'd be like, well, uh, surely the characters from American Graffiti are similarly (laughs) beloved. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not. Uh, So, yeah, we we have a a similar thing where... uh, well, And this isn't the first instance in Star Wars of an actor being sort of replaced. Uh, Peter Mayhew, the, the actor who played Chewbacca was replaced by some Swedish giant whose name I can't remember mm-hmm. uh, who could do the, the chewy growl, which is great. So yeah. why are we not getting a human uh, imitator to do the, the Vader voice? Now I, I think I fall in a very specific camp about this in that I don't approve of this, but I'm also not one of those people who's like AI is going to destroy all creative work because if you look at like the AI generated images, they're like uh, rote bad trash uh, that are not visually interesting. I think only humans can do that. But one thing that I am genuinely concerned about is the uh, slowly boiling water we lobsters find ourselves in when it comes to artistic performance and uh ai because we all know how i feel about deep faking paul walker and the fast and furious movies or in fact deep faking any actor I i think it's creatively bankrupt uh disrespectful and creepy i don't think there's a single good thing about it uh, and I think that perhaps the most is pernicious the word, maybe the most insidious use for deep fake technology right now is the replication of voices because it's almost perfect. Like oh, it's yeah. really good. It's surprisingly good and honestly might need to be monitored by some type of uh, very toss or like truth truth uh what's the word truth enforcers yeah some sort of truth enforcers some type of truth police i mean i don't know i feel like there there are laws against making written materials and posing as someone else like if if you put out a memo and you're like i uh i i I suck dicks in hell i'm barack obama (laughs) 
with we you know Holy maybe shit. less so than did you book Barack Obama for this episode? Oh, I did. Um, that sounded but, just like. Him. But no, I'm just saying it is within certain confines of the law illegal to impersonate another person. I think maybe <laughs> it should continue to be. I think it's going to be an issue going forward uh, where, I don't know, we could maybe end up at a place where AI is good enough at impersonating people's voices through voice modulators in real time that people could call elderly people and impersonate their loved ones like really oh. easily. Yeah. Uh, that, that is probably going to happen within the next three years. That, yeah, I mean, my parents are already falling for email scams where they're like, what? Best Buy? Why is Best Buy charging us $300? And I have to walk over and point out that the email came from some random name and numbers at gmail.com. Yes. I'm like, that's not Best Buy, folks. Please, please read the email. And it's Ugh. it's probably going to happen within the next two to three years where things get to a point where you have like real-time voice modulators that can use AI-generated voice profiles. Uh, really scary, for sure. Yeah. But even in a maybe less extreme version of that, we may get to a point where you're an actor and to sign... You always sign away a, a little bit of your rights in the performance that you provide to a studio. It might be, I mean, it's pretty probable that it's going to be written into Disney's contracts going into the future that not only do they own your likeness as this character in your performance, but they also own your voice as this character. And who's to say in, in future movies or anything else that they need to hire anyone at all? Oh no, we're getting to the zero sum. We have to pay, we, we, we pay no one. We just have these AI movies. I mean, I don't think we're going to get to the point anytime soon where you have like a full... Like a, like a full big budget movie with no actors in it. But I think I can definitely see a world where they spin this off. Imagine a world where Fast and Furious Spy Racers, where, no. that, where they own all those characters' voices, and then they never have to hire voice actors. No. Because they can just replicate the voices of famous people in cartoons. I... I don't like it. It's really bad, and I really wish James Earl Jones... I mean, I'm sure he got a fat paycheck. I'm sure they oh, gave yeah. him like $150 million. I, I'm sure he, he was savvy enough to be like, all right, but this doesn't stop with me. Like, it, my estate, my family, the people who, who will come after me, you will pay them for usage of my voice going forward. Yeah, I, I'm certain he... Uh, Smart guy. I, I'm certainly made sure that his family is very well taken care of, and who can blame him? I'm just saying it. It is something that, if we're not aware of as a society, is probably gonna sneak up on us in in a pretty unpleasant and maybe morally bankrupt way. And honestly, be even beyond these implications, aren't we done with Darth Vader? I mean, aren't we done? We've we seen. We've seen his everything from his birth to his death. What more? What more is there to, to explore? 
We've seen beyond his death. We've seen everything. We saw three movies beyond his death. We did it. It's over. There are even video games about Darth Vader, Starkiller, Force Unleashed or whatever. It's over. It's done. Let let the character die. You would be relatively hard-pressed to find people who like Star Wars more than I do. Uh, I I love Star Wars. Star Wars is tremendously important to me. Fucking, it's over. Like, these these characters... It's almost like we had an entire movie recently (laughs) about how us slavishly holding on to these characters over the decades is actually unhealthy and leads us to a kind of radicalization that we would not have if we were able to let go of the past and build new things. I mean, it's almost yeah. like we had a whole movie about that and no one fucking got it and everyone hated it. And then yeah. we made a movie about literally pulling the past out of the ground. There is no worse series of three movies. <laughs> than those movies yeah it's almost as though we made that movie and it came out and then people didn't like it because my favorite character wasn't portrayed as manly enough yeah oh no here's here's my issue with the three most recent star wars movies i think all of them are like fine movies on their own merits in a vacuum like competently made they had stories there was nothing Nothing made them like offensively bad movies from a technical or an art, well, from an artistic standpoint, yes, but from a technical standpoint. Uh, I think that I have serious problems with those movies because each and every one said something about the world we live in. The only difference is the middle one meant to. <laughs> right. All of them say something very damning about the world we live in artistically. Thank God Ryan Johnson intended to say what he ended up saying. Uh, <laughs> Intentionality the, is a huge, huge, huge part of it. Yeah, all three of them delivered a very grim message about where we're at in terms of art. Yep. Uh, the, the third one, uh, Rise of Skywalker, I think, um, perhaps more than any uh delivered that message and i hope people <laughs> i hope people were aware of the message they were being uh they were being privy to in the theater i don't think they were somehow palpatine returns <laughs> amazing you know that was like sitting in a script somewhere in brackets being like well you know well yeah we'll address well, this we'll address yeah. this before before it comes time to shoot and then it's like oh shoot shit uh it's time for that part uh put it put, put it in the crawl just just say it just say it <laughs> have, have, who's having the least fun here uh oscar isaac have him say it yeah it's you know it's by the grace of god that the that the crawl didn't start with star wars episode nine title crawl <laughs> <laughs> and then brackets, star wars episode nine later. title crawl somehow Palpatine has returned <laughs> oh, i'll get to this later uh <laughs> <laughs> it's just Lorem Ipsum. Yeah. Somehow Palpatine has a trip. Lorem Ipsum Duroset. <laughs> <laughs> and then like a little note to self, remember to fill in. 
Yes. <laughs> Remember to fill in. <laughs> in all caps, don't forget. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I mean, it's basically what we got. It is uh, basically what we got. Like I said, I, I don't think James Earl Jones is a dumb guy. Uh, I, I think yeah. that he did the right thing for his family. It bums me out. First of all, because of the grim future it portends, but also secondly, like fucking who cares about Darth Vader? Who cares about any of these characters? We have seen we have seen the best, most complete versions of all of these characters. And you know what? Even if we haven't, just give us new ones. Like just, yeah. It's time for something new. It can be in the same universe. I'm okay with that. It can be a Star Wars story or whatever have you. Just give me something new. Yeah, so you're looking for Solo since you said you want a Star Wars story. Solo is fine. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, Rogue One, give me more Rogue One. Rogue One was fine. That was a Star Wars story. Or you know what? Make a different fucking sci-fi movie. Make a sci-fi what? movie. Make make. We anything. have a built-in audience. We- you're you're right. It would be foolish. Avatar two to make be foolish to make a new IP. Oh, I I don't have a headline for this, but uh, they re released they re released Avatar in the theaters. I, I thought it was coming later. Turns out it's now. That piece of shit, James Cameron, <laughs> uh huh, made thirty million dollars in one weekend. It's not him specifically, but the box office for the re release of Avatar made thirty million dollars. Did you not listen to us? <laughs> It's so here's my situation is uh, my fiance and I, yes, I'm getting married, dusts off shoulders, um, get in line, suitors. Um, anyway, well, I feel like it's too late for the suitors, you're betrothed, yeah, yeah but I'm gonna go on an odyssey and come back and kill them all with a bow and arrow. Uh, <laughs> but I <laughs> There was a night where we were like, oh, you know, we don't really know what to do. This other plan fell through. We're kind of bummed out. We should go to the movies. So we went on Alamo Draft House on the app uh, and we're scrolling through. And I was like, oh, we could see Barbarian or Pearl or Bullet Train. Uh, oh, Avatar is back in theaters. And we're both like, no, not, not that. <laughs> Who who cares? Yeah, <laughs> who literally, cares? No one cares. Literally, who cares? I did see a headline that, that said like it was one of those headlines written passive aggressively that was like, "No, actually, Avatar did impact culture in ways you <laughs> haven't even noticed." And it's just like, "No, fuck off. We're not playing this game. We're not playing this game." As we've discussed justifying something never convinces anyone because the only thing that people will ever form opinions around is their own reality. And guess what? Avatar impacted my reality not one bit outside of the Xbox 360 game where you could mow down Na'vi with a machine gun. No Na'vi, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Man, that was a good episode. Uh, yeah. Uh, One one of our best. I, I, yes, I... Everyone go listen to the episode entitled hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> I think, was it hashtag Pissmanvatari? Pissmanvatari? Man, we really should have come up with a, a better title for that so it could get more attention. It's like uh, episode but- 267, hashtag Pissmanvatari. 
Go listen to that episode. It's real good. Yeah, it's really good. You you just have to listen. We really went on one for like forty five minutes. Oh. Uh, if you haven't listened, hi- highly recommend Piss Man Vitari. So yeah, instead we got um, two tickets to Don't Worry Darling two days from that day, and then we wouldn't get dinner or something. Nice, because uh, fuck Avatar. Fuck Avatar. Can't wait for the sequel. <laughs> to don't to don't worry, darling. Uh, no, the Avatar. Oh yeah, Way of Water, the pee pee movie. The pee pee movie. <laughs> pee pee movie. Oh, We're getting boy. loopy. Getting pretty loopy. I don't know if we have time or space to talk about this, but can I get on my soapbox about Don't Worry Darling for one second? Yes. Firstly, I think it's a solid like 7.5 movie. It's it's a recommend for me. Uh, like most things, I have two points of contention with the movie. <laughs> uh, I am of two minds about most things, uh, except those two minds are both negative. Uh... It's a recommend. I think it's actually a movie that says something pretty interesting towards the end that a lot of movies are kind of too afraid to talk about, uh, which is laudable. Uh, My issue is, number one, uh, we need to stop cutting trailers that spoil every visually arresting element of a movie. Like, as a culture, we need to stop. Like, I know that people talk about trailers spoiling plot points and yes that is egregious and has kind of been happening for a while i take uh umbrage especially with trailers that rob you of every like landmark visual moment absolutely movie because we currently live in this like new school trailer cutting where it's fast back to back the most visually arresting scenes from any movie and for don't worry darling i swear to god for 80 percent of that movie everything that's visually interesting is ruined by the trailer and i hate it there are there are really a couple cool things and in the context of the movie they're better but like man that trailer does a real fucking disservice to that movie uh it, it it's akin to putting all the funny moments of a comedy in the trailer like stop doing it yeah they're highlights but they stand better in context of the film. Don't bring them out to be like, well, these are the list of bullet points why you should watch her film. Stop it's, that. It is truly awful. And I know that uh, kind of psychologically market research wise, they do that because they think it's going to get butts and seats. But let me tell you, after seeing that trailer three or four times, I was like, I don't need to see this movie. I know like, the, the trailer kind of, also, the trailer gives away, like, major plot points, which, Ugh. like, honestly, from the outset of that movie, you kind of know what maybe 70% of the movie is. Like, Oh, dang. Uh, not not I, even from the trailer. I'm just saying, like, there, you, there are parts of the movie that are relatively rote. Like, right. if you've seen the trailer, you, you know it's about an idyllic situation that isn't what it seems. Ugh. Right. Like, it's not, that's well, not news. The trailer wasn't even cut in a way that let you think it was an idyllic situation to begin with. Like, from the onset, it's like, oh, something's off here. Like, yeah, a, a well cut trailer would make it seem idyllic and would almost seem like a home of the future ad from the 50s. Right. And towards the end, hint 
towards yes. the weird or even if you're like a24 you would cut a trailer for this movie that is purely idyllic and yes. it is so idyllic like those home of the future commercials from expos in the 50s and 60s it would feel unsettling because right. of how idyllic it is and then if you, you were smart yeah. that's how you cut that trailer <laughs> And then you get people asking, oh, what is this movie about? Like, it can't just be that. And then they're interested in that regard and they want to see it. Like, stop giving away too much, you, you know? Elev- I, I, yes. <laughs> it should be an elevator pitch of the first 20 minutes. That's your trailer. I think uh, one thing for anyone who has access to an Alamo Draft House, I would highly, highly recommend watching the pre-roll for Don't Worry Darling, all 30 minutes of it. Because it is essentially, uh, like, wordlessly, not wordlessly, there, there's no editorializing. It is just footage from the 50s and 60s of, like, idyllic versions of the American home, toys for children. And these are, you know, shot and presented without irony, but through a modern lens, feel deeply cursed and weird. Like, it's... I think the pre-roll is great and it sets the stage for the movie, but if you were a studio that gave a shit or thought for two seconds, that's the kind of trailer you'd cut for a movie like Don't Worry Darling, is through a modern lens you would portray this in such a way that it feels unsettling. You would convey a feeling, you would not show people every fucking thing that happens in the movie except for the last 30%. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there needs to be... A new school of trailers. A24 does a really good job uh, of like, okay, it can be from all clips shown in a trailer can be from like maybe the first half of the movie. No clips from the final 50%. And and like hit on a theme you want the audience to walk in with. And then we can have our perceptions twisted with. Like the the, the trailer for 3,000 Years of Longing was great because one, it was wordless. Like. There were no lines from the movie in it, and it was visually interesting, set the music, and you're like, oh, what the hell is that movie about? And then you go see it, and you find out. Like, that's how it should work. Stop giving away everything in the trailer. We've talked about this before. It just it ruins the sense of ex- exploration that we can have in stories. Agreed. I think that A24 does a good job, other than the fact that half of their movies, they cut the trailers like horror movies, but because they do that, you still don't totally know what the movie is going to be like if you know that's how A24 tends to cut their trailers. Uh, So, absolutely. Yeah. Follow in the A24 kind of new school way of genuinely getting people interested in a movie. There's a thousand different ways people could have done that for Don't Worry Darling, which... Uh, I, I think I would have rated higher than I did had the had the advertising campaign, the media campaign for this movie not been so relentless. Which, speaking of the media campaign for this movie. Oh, my movie, God, the media campaign. Gee, I, I sat through that trailer ten times. So I sat through it every time I went to go see a movie at the Alamo Draft House. But yeah. I, I think when I'm saying the media campaign for this movie – I am, am maybe being a little conspiracy minded. So everyone knows that there was like a bunch of drama, hashtag drama surrounding the release of this movie. It's director Olivia Wilde, it's star Florence Pugh, it's other star and dancing string man Harry Styles. 
like there was a lot going on around this movie. And I, I don't necessarily want to sound like a crackpot and say that it was like manufactured in some way. Uh, I will say like, if the Johnny Depp Amber Heard stuff is any indication, it is entirely possible to like create a very specific narrative uh, to drum up social media interest in favor of a thing. So I don't know. I'm sure that everything that happened surrounding Don't Worry Darling did help it be the number one movie yeah. uh, in on box office charts that weekend. But... Uh, I, I have no interest in talking about the, the material quote unquote facts of what happened around this movie. Cause who cares and who has time? Uh, but it is, it is broken film criticism about this movie. It really has. Yeah. I mean, in a way, none of that stuff should matter within the context of the film, the textual evidence of the film but it is impossible to separate just because it was shoved down our throats so often and so much probably by a targeted media campaign to drum up any publicity for the film. Like there, there was, I want to say a, a three week period where that film was not on. There was a three week period where that film was on the front page of Reddit every week for a new a new titillating detail from the scandal or whatever. Yeah. Some, some new slight or, Oh, Chris Pine looks bored or is disassociating during which that one is maybe the one I take the most umbrage with because, uh, I think Chris Pine just looks like anyone else at a press junket and that he looks tired, but he's keeping his eyes open. Uh, yeah, I, no. I, I don't see I don't see the issue with right. that. And then this weird conjecture over Harry Styles spitting on Chris Pine or reverse yeah. of that or who cares? Who cares? Who cares? It has nothing to do with the actual movie. Although I will. There is a clip where Harry Styles styles where Harry Styles says I'm paraphrasing. He says something like a really good thing I liked about her movie is like, it feels like oh, a yes, movie. Absolutely. And you can, people have said, allegedly you can see Chris Pine's neck tense when he says that. And that could just be a way for him to keep himself awake because press junkets are boring. And there's, you run out of things to say by the time you're in your second one, or he might not like Harry Styles and that's fine too. Who cares? Who uh, cares? But I, I think that it has led to, there's kind of two things happening with criticism about this movie, which is number one, people are criticizing the movie as an extension of this kind of meta drama that's happening outside of the movie. It's an unfortunate thing that happens with any movie with like large personalities or actors who have some fame outside of the movie, people who are at best uh, by definition, spectators to this right. will use this as kind of their opportunity to cash in on the drama, which who can blame them? Like a lot of people are paid in the attention economy by clicks, whatever. Uh, and then there's also people who are, and this is actually why I'd recommend against reading any Vox pop criticism of this movie is a lot of people are attacking this movie for, uh, kind of what it says near the end, which, like I said, is it's not a brave 
thing, but it is a thing that's happening in society that not a lot of movies are talking about. Uh, that a lot of people have a problem with there being a movie <laughs> talking about it. Uh, so that is a, a decent amount of like the review bombing that's happening to this movie on Rotten Tomatoes. And the other review bombing is people being like, I don't like Harry Styles as an idea. I'm not <laughs> able to separate the, the, I'm not able to separate people as ideas in my mind from their yeah. performances. Uh, he's, I don't like him, whatever. And then there's a small contingency of, of very motivated people who are always there they're like, this movie was directed by a woman's and therefore it's bad. <laughs> I, I would say the first camp I described and that camp might actually be somewhat connected. <laughs> uh, go, go see the movie to find out what I mean. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's a recommend. I, I'd say like if you've got time, go see it. You don't have to see it, but yeah, I, I recommend it. It's well, a glad. real Florence Pugh smorgasbord. I mean, I'm honestly, we huge fans of Florence Pugh in this house. Um, she can do no wrong. I, I, will, hey, I will not hey, be watching hey, Midsummer. Hey, I haven't seen something that full of pew since I went to a traditional Catholic church. Hey. You, know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Hey. Rectory. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, Florence Pugh's great. Probably Are you my a favorite. Def Jam comic from the <laughs> late 80s? Probably my my favorite living actor is Florence Pugh. Yeah, she's great. She was great as uh, the person in the movies I've seen her in. She was great as the little woman. That's the one. <laughs> yes. That's the movie. <laughs> Gotta say, breakout performance of that movie is gonna be Bob Odenkirk. Bob who, shows Odenkirk. Up, who shows up for a second to say, my little women. And then just fucks off for the rest of the movie. Yeah, no. It's, uh... God, Little Women's a fucking banger. Oh, what an, yeah. What incredible... Greta Gerwig directing a movie with fucking... Oh, no. Laura Dern is yeah. in it. Florence yeah. Pugh is yep. in it. Mm-hmm. The Sir Ronan. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna rewatch Little Women tonight. That movie rips. Emma Watson makes an appearance. God, Little Women's so good. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. Man, Greta. Anyway, yeah, that's like a nine point five out of ten, right? Yeah, there. Greta. I was gonna say Greta Gerwig is a damn near ten out of ten as a director. Yes, I don't like to. I don't like. We're to not rating women people. on the scale of one to ten, John. As directors, no. Little Women's like a nine point five out of ten. Like so good. Other than the fact that I think Saoirse Ronan gets a serious talking to by timothy chalamet at some point i'm like why are you so torn up over this puppet child like, I, I, I do not get it yeah. i also don't like him as pu- it's fine i'm not going to talk about my dune feelings here no get off your soapbox it's getting too powerful it's overheating <laughs> oh no it's overheating he's gonna start talking about dune <laughs> he's gonna start talking about dune <laughs> frank so- herbert said uh okay off my Frank Herbert box. said, check out Don't Worry Darling <laughs> in the box office as of the recording of this episode. Famous, famous, yeah. his letterbox, insane. And then he looked directly into the camera and said, worms. As will we right now. <laughs> worms. Ah. <sighs> <sighs> Oh, let's review, shall we? Don't wear anal beads when you play chess. <laughs> uh-huh. Don't m- deep fake the voice of Dark Vader. 
and do see Don't Worry Darling, but don't pay attention to the media surrounding it. These are the lessons of the day. These are the do's and don'ts of Zero Credits for today. For today. We guide you morally every week. Now, did we did we succeed in making the world a little dumber? I think we have. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> And therefore, it's it's gooder, right? Yeah, it's it's. Listen, when you're dumb, you're good. When uh, you're dumb, you're and, good. And since we've made everyone listening to this sufficiently dumb, uh, I think that means it's time to bring this episode to an end. And since I have therapy this week, it means <laughs> <laughs> I, I have therapy this week, aka the social media reads. Okay. Uh, Which is to say, if you want to reach out to us about the things you intend to do or not do over the following week, we do have to let you know that if you tell us you're going to do a crime, we have to report to the police. And if you tell us you're not going to do a crime, we have to report it to the to the coward police. (laughs) Real heads commit crimes every week you can send those do's and don'ts to us on twitter.com at zcpc whj on twitter.com said twitter.com twice but that acronym stands for it's been two weeks henry that stands for zero coward police contacted with hentent justice (laughs) hentent justice Uh, and if you if you want to send us perhaps a, a longer conspiracy email about how you think someone might have cheated in chess using various Bluetooth sexual aids, uh, or if you want to tell us your feelings about the drama surrounding Don't Worry Darling, such as when Harry Styles spit on a Bluetooth sexual aid, you can send us an email to email at zerocredits.net. We will read it. Will we respond? You'll see. Uh, You can find us on every podcast service, asterisk, not all of them, uh, including the one you're listening to us on right now. But uh, to name a few, if you have friends who refuse to use your podcast scraping service, of choice, we are on Podchaser, Good Pods, Spotify, that's the big one, and Apple Podcasts, that's the Steve Jobs. A great way for people to learn about the podcast is for you to leave a rating and a review on platforms that support such things. But the greatest way for people to learn about the podcast is for you to get out there into the street, find people who are big fans of Harry Styles, and say, hey, there's this really great Harry Styles podcast I discovered. It's it's called Zero Credits with Harry Styles and John. And then, since people typically... Once you break their moment of inertia, they start listening to something, they'll be fans. After listening to us for five minutes, they'll start with episode one, Consider the Pineapple, and then we'll have them hooked for the pursuant 300 and something episodes, because word of the mouth is the only way that we can survive. So tell your friends, tell your family, tell Harry Styles if his little British ears can hear you. We really want people to start from our first episode. (laughs) 
Listen, that's what I do with every podcast. Oh my god. Alright, well that's that's six years of torture. And from everyone here at the Harry Styles Podcast Studios Apartments Houses, we want to wish you a Harry Styles. I really genuinely tried to think of a Harry Styles song. I couldn't. He's got a song that's like Baby of the Breath of My Lungs. No, it's like Baby. <laughs> He's got a song that's like No, no, baby. yeah, yeah. It's Baby of the Breath of My Lungs. <laughs> I'm Harry Styles. <laughs> I'm Harry Styles. He sings real low, I think. Uh, Jason goodbye. Derulo. <laughs> Jason Derulo. Goodbye. Boba place this weekend and they didn't have any fucking boba. They just had sweet milk.